0: Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies.
1: On this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, I had an opportunity to speak with Annie Campbell and Emily Holden. Annie and Emily are with a Company called Now Medical Studio, and they're involved with a, an, another project called SciArtNow, Art Now, S-C-I-A-R-T-N-O-W. What I found really intriguing about Annie and Emily's work is their their focus on medical illustration and how this artwork really can be incorporated into help telling a story of a medical device company or a procedure. And it's really fascinating to to kind of hear them and how they approach their work. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And today, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. The, these ladies, Annie and Emily, are just a real pleasure to talk to, and, <laughs> and they have this awesome podcast. And well, let, let me introduce the two of them first. So Annie Campbell and Emily Holden are directors of Now Medical Studio, a company that specializes in creating medical illustrations and animations for companies in the pharmaceutical, medical device, and healthcare industry. They enjoy making the inner body look beautiful. Sounds weird, but really cool. Showing the normally unseen and telling a story as part of the work. Their passion for medical illustration has grown into a side project. Together, they also run an educational platform called SciArtNow. And you can check that out at sciartnow.com. S-C-I-A-R-T-N-O-W.com. Where they provide tutorials, advice, and resources for anyone looking to learn more about the medical illustration industry. I'll also say, if you go to the SciArt Now website, you'll you'll also see their podcast. Mm-hmm. Link to the podcast, and it's just really good stuff. So, Annie Emily, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast.
2: Hello, thank hi. You so much for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Um, it's a pleasure to be here.
1: <laughs> and, and last time you and I spoke, uh, I learned that. You're in beautiful Scotland, which is the place that's on my, my bucket list. So uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to hopefully meeting in person one day and in that too distant future. But I guess to dive in a little bit, tell the audience a little bit about what your business does.
0: Yeah, sure. So we are basically artists with science backgrounds so or medical illustrators and animators. So basically, what we do is we provide. Uh, content to help teach people about something that happens in their body. So if something goes wrong, say like a heart attack, you know, we draw all of the illustrations and animations that creates visuals for that. So we help companies explain the signs of things. So if they have a new device that's coming out or they have a new drug, people need to know how it works. And we're here to help create the visuals that train people on how to use those devices or what happens in your body when the drugs enters.
1: And it's interesting to me because science and art, I mean, you're you're tapping into both sides of your brain.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So how did you get into this field?
2: Um, So... There's kind of two ways of coming into it. You can come into it from more of an art background, but also a lot of people working in this industry come from a science background as well. Um, so both Annie and I have, um, and actually our whole team, we all hold um, master's degrees in medical art. Um, I had a my undergraduate degree was in more fine art painting, and I kind of stumbled upon medical illustration and just fell in love with, I guess as you said the combination of art and science and there's a great like long history of that as well with the kind of emergency of like learning about the body and and anatomy and stuff and that was where my passion for it kind of began and it kind of fed into my fine artwork and then from there I discovered uh, the master's course that I went to. I went to the medical art course in Dundee um, and Annie came from a more of a science <laughs> background so I'll let you chat about the <laughs> oh, yeah. science side. I did neuroscience
0: as my undergrad uh, major and um, I realized that I would not be a very good researcher when I came to graduate but also I just had this like side passion of, of just art and design. and I would always be drawing my th- dissertation rather than writing it. So, and then so when I discovered that there was such a career that combined these two worlds, there was a need for people who could know the science jargon but also have an understanding of art and design and just merge quite beautifully. And so I, I ended up um, going over to the United States to study medical illustration because uh, I just thought, oh, what, what a great experience it would be to, to learn more about the industry over there as well. So I studied um, at the Biomedical Visualization Program at Chicago at UIC. And it was great. We learned a lot about just, you know, traditional techniques, digital techniques, VR, AR, animation, and then um, moved back to Scotland. And that's where Emily and I met. We met at the uh, University of Dundee, dental school and medical school where we were both like in-house medical illustrators there. And then from there, a relationship kind of grew. And then we just combined forces and just formed a company to where we can do this day in and day out.
1: (laughs) Well, I have to say it's a little inspiring uh, for me personally. I, growing up, I, th- I think I was a, an okay artist, a pretty good artist. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love drawing and sketching and and that sort of thing. And then somewhere along the way, I um, I went to en- engineering school. And my theory is that the engineering studies. Uh, sucked out the creativeness. No. <laughs> that, oh. that, I, don't, no. I, I don't know. It, it, it just uh, it could be. I, I don't know. There's been a lot of days. I'm like, oh, I should go get a sketch pad and start drawing again. But, yeah. but it's a little terrifying to be honest. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, um, I'm afraid I'll just wad up everything that I sketch and throw it away. But anyway, I'm I am a little inspired. Uh, <laughs> you know, and and Emily, your your point. I mean, like I, I when you were sp- speaking a moment ago, I just mm-hmm. imagine some of those the vintage uh, illustrations of the human body and you know just seeing it, it, you know all of that i can imagine that would be a great inspiration but your work is fascinating i mean it's more than just i mean it's in some respects to me it's like i could see having uh some of your art hanging on the wall um <laughs> but you also incorporate animation and that sort of thing but tell us more about about your team as well at now medical studio
0: yeah. So we have a team of really talented artists. For me, I think they're like really talented unicorns because they have so many different skills that they just apply to. And then like, you, you know, like they know a little bit about animation, they know a little bit about design and know how to digitally draw, but like their, their specialty is like medical content um so so it's just these like unicorn skills combined all into one um so i'm i'm in awe with them like they are much more talented than both of us i mean that's why we have them on the
1: well, a that, team that's the gig right you know you right, surround right. yourself with people that are smarter and more talented than you are i mean it's it's sort of the secret to being a founder and an entrepreneur at times
0: exactly so our job is just trying to like uh you know put them on this pedestal and uh you know just say oh you're doing amazing <laughs> don't worry about empowering syndrome or anything like that just keep doing what you're doing but um yeah they're they're really great they have a mixture of uh, science backgrounds or they come from an art background uh, like myself and emily uh, but they all just go to uh, a master's program to learn about medical illustration i do want to preface that not everyone who, who enters this field does go through this kind of traditional route of schooling we've we've worked with a lot of like doctors turn medical illustrators or like research scientists turn medical illustrators so it's you know there's always a different path if anyone's interested
2: in, in entering this field yeah definitely and in terms of um some of i guess some other studios a lot of um some other kind of medical illustration studios who are maybe doing uh 3d work um, they might have like two completely separate teams so they may Um, hire people who are more 3D generalists so they're not specialized in the science field but um, they're really really good at the 3D work Mm -hmm. and then they'll also have another side of their team who are just all like the science experts and they will like write all the content give very tight direction of what should happen and then the animators will kind of um, take take it from there and um, so we are we kind of do a combination of both and um, on our team we need to we need to be able to and um, we need to be able to go through uh, the briefs from our clients kind of look t- deep into the science do our own research and then yeah we kind of do the, the law in-house ourselves yeah sure.
0: yeah <laughs> because we're such a small team we kind
2: of need mm-hmm. to do that part. We, we don't have right. different departments. <laughs> right. Oh, how nice would that be? Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. Help it to the science department.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, there's a good bad to that too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's something, at least for me, that's really awesome about, you know, having a small, intimate team, you know. But there's also something that's great when your team grows and, and your business grows too. So, you know, it's just... Different stages, but uh, you know, keep in mind that that the and, and no pressure. I'm sorry, this I, I, I don't mean this to come off as putting you under the spotlight necessarily. But the Global Medical Device Podcast is the number one podcast in the medical device industry, so there's a good chance that some of the folks who are <laughs> listening might be able to utilize your your uh, services. So, um, I, I guess. Paint a picture for us, sh- since you're both artists. What what types of companies, or, or projects, or engagements uh, do you uh, seek, and, and how can listeners, uh, you know, what sh- what should they be thinking of uh, t- to consider somebody like Now Medical Studio to help them?
0: Mm-hmm. So um, we have various different companies and surprisingly, they're actually all uh, based outside of the UK. We have one or two in the UK, but most of them are in the States or elsewhere around about Europe. Uh, We work with a lot of startups. So their challenges usually when they're kind of entering the field and looking for funding is getting, is presenting themselves and their science in a really easy to understand, but also um, appealing way to investors or other scientists, especially go to congresses or they're presenting webinars. So this is where we come in to to help these startups. It's just, um, okay, what's your brand? Uh, How do you want to present yourself? Do you have a logo, right? Let's try and create graphics that align with that. So it's basically like, if you're going to an interview, you want to put on your best suit, right? So it's kind of like putting on your best suit in terms of all the visuals that you have behind you. And then when it comes to telling the science story, we always kind of break it down into the most simplest of terms, because obviously everyone who, who, who's working with the science part, they're the content experts. They know it inside and out. But when you're presenting it to like investors, for example, it's just the most easiest way to get the information across. And we say like, if a 10 year old can understand, or if your granny can understand it, then that's a great, easy, understandable visual or story that you're trying to tell. So we work with these startups to try and uh, figure that science story out and figure out how to explain the science to them. And then through that, this can be in many forms. So it can be like brochures, websites, uh, marketing collaterals, you know, everything that goes on your Twitter. Uh, we try and make sure that you know, something that can live in one space can be reused multiple ways. So that's quite a nice return of their investment. And other companies that we work with, Emily, I'm going to let you talk about it because I think I talked a lot about the startup teams. We also work with other other companies as well.
2: Yeah. So, in terms of the kind of clients that we work with, they can be um, people who are actively involved in uh, research. So, we have a lot of clients who are like surgeons, and then they're looking to explain a new technique um, that they've come up with that could be using um, certain like medical devices in a different way, or like things like. Um, aortic graphs or things like that it's um, Mm. helping them explain something that people can't go into a textbook or do a google search it's like they're trying they're innovating new techniques and they're needing um, a company like ourselves to visualize this as well Um, and then other things are things like universities as well and things to support their curriculum and let
0: me think Mm -hmm. And then we also, on the other hand, we work with like um, medical communications agencies for like just press releases. So last year, you know, there was a lot of press releases related around um, drugs or COVID or just you know educating the general public about things. So they would hire studios like us to help them with the graphics while they work on the copy and everything like that. So we have a close relationship with agencies like that as well. And then there's the odd kind of uh, you know just like a sports brands or anything that that really want to get technical with, with, with the anatomy to show what their athletes are wearing. So sometimes we do fun projects like that, but those are few, few and far between.
1: Well, I mean, as you were sharing some of the the types of um, engagements that you get involved with, I mean, Annie, I I like the startup angle. I mean, I'm a big fan or advocate of, of um, reminding startups that, it's important for them to tell their story, you know, whether it be to an investor, uh, as they're looking to, to raise funds or whatever the case may be, they have to tell their story. And a lot of times devices, uh, you know, they, they can be, they can be simple, um, or complicated, but just being able to, to see a picture or an animation that explains how their technology works. Uh, I was also thinking too, you know, as, as, uh, Emily, you were sharing some of the other types of engagements that, um, yeah, you know, I, I just remember early days of my career in the in the med device space. Um we were working on a a project, the company was working on a project for um, aortic aneurysm and at that time it was somewhat revolutionary because it was uh, primarily being it was going to deliver uh, a aortic vascular stent uh intravenously or in, intravascularly. I mean the, the previous um methodology involved essentially cutting down um, you know to the femoral artery or you know a lot more mm-hmm. open type procedure and they were trying to revolutionize the method of delivery but it's super complicated to be able to understand you know where to insert the the introducer and how to navigate it to the aorta and then deploy the stent graft and all these sorts of things so i could see where you know some sort of illustration and animation would would be huge to help tell that story but also to help educate mm-hmm. uh, potential users and and one other point, um, and and I'd love to get your reaction. Um, you know, every medical device company probably is going to interact with a regulatory agency mm-hmm. at some point in time. And yeah, you know, I know there's, you know, if we do a regu- if you do a regulatory submission, you're including labeling and, and all that sort of thing, usually instructions for use. But I have to imagine something that that uh, can highlight. Uh, you know, the more of the mode of action and, and tell the story through visual, I got to believe that that would be a, a nice uh, complement to any sort of regulatory submission as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I, IFUs are also one that we were, were doing. We're currently doing a lot of them right now, and they're also important. I think um, one thing that's useful as part of like, if you're working with any medical illustration studio, not just ours, is that we all know that, okay, you, things got to go through a med legal review, you know, and we understand that you have, you, you have regulatory reviews and stuff like that. So it's our job to prepare to s- like our research that contributes to any image or any kind of IFUs or anything like that for your reviews. I don't know if that helps or if anyone's ever had experience working with just the general a- agency, maybe they, they might not be aware of, of the amount of evidence that you need to present in these reviews. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like what makes us a little bit more specialized in terms of medical content.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's my opinion or my experience, rather. Um, An IFU is uh, a lot of times um, something that that we construct to describe how to uh, use a product um, the the way it's supposed to, the steps and so on. But usually uh, it is predominantly text and sometimes there might be a graphic here and there that's that's in, incorporated within the instructions but my experience is that that never gets read uh, it usually gets tossed <laughs> in the garbage. Uh, <laughs> I'm <sure> it works <laughs> oh, like this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, think about it. I mean, it's it's we, yeah. we put it. We generally put those instructions for use. Uh, sometimes it's affixed to the packaging, and once you open the product and take the the, the contents out, uh, that packaging usually gets tossed away. You know, and it's like there's got to be a better way. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious to see, or I'm optimistic and hopeful that that your work with now Medical Studio can sort of elevate and escalate the the IFU to the next level so that it's actually <laughs> used.
2: Yeah, I think that's um Annie kind of brushed on this briefly earlier. It's the kind of thing like if you decide that you're wanting to create a uh, of an IFU but you're doing it in the form of say like a 3D medical animation, you're you can actually what we can do is work out a way that there's lots of reusability because we're, we're already building, say, like the 3D models for the animation. This can also be used as part of a website, as an interactive content on website, or if you're creating an animation it can be kind of structured and clips can be reused if you're wanting to also create a resource for patients. If mm. you're maybe working closely with patients, there can kind of be, I guess, two versions of something, one for information on how something is used for for. Uh, Surgeons, and then there can be another thing of explaining to a patient also how it's inserted in the body. The way you present that could actually be very similar. All the actual visuals might be the same. It's just a case of packaging it slightly differently, putting different text, different voiceover, um, all these other aspects that can actually mean that from, I guess, one, one bigger investment into the actual 3D work itself, it can then be transferred into different things. And then these... 3D models can also be used as stills on website or in brochures things like that it's it's Mm. kind of the I guess that's one thing that we really like to focus on is like how if we do this how can we make how can we get the most out of it for the clients I guess.
0: Yeah and especially with like um how things are being used you know like images say a thousand words so if your device is really simple to use it's like step one step two step three have three images that show that you know and it's more likely that the surgeon might be more willing to think about using your product over you know maybe a competitor product or something like that rather than writing in a text like you know this knob knobbin does this where you twist it around 90 degrees just like sticking in an image it's a lot easier yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I, I had an old uh, boss and mentor used to say that you know if a picture is worth uh, a thousand words, then a prototype is worth a thousand pictures, <laughs> and and that's that saying has kind of stuck with me for many many years now. But as I have learned more about what you're doing with Now Medical Studio, I'm like, okay, well, it's not a prototype per se, but um, it's more than it can be more than just a picture. Uh, so you know, it's having an you know an illustration and an animation to describe my product. I mean, in in essence, it could be a form of a, a prototype if I'm very early on trying to explain what my product does. Do you have any thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, it could be that stepping stone towards obtaining funding to make prototypes, mm-hmm. right? So you you kind of need like a a proof of concept, I suppose. So um, if you have like sketches or diagrams. Uh, just going back to um, vascular surgeons, just because we've been talking about them quite a lot Mm -hmm. is that they're they're so talented. They will actually take a device that's meant for a thoracic uh, aneurysm, turn it around and stick it in the abdomen. You know, it's just as long as it's connecting pipes, as long as it works and it heals the patient, like they will try and make and be innovative in that way to make things work. And through that, some surgeons have been so innovative that they've created new grafts, and they now have grafts that are named after them, which, which yeah. is so so cool. Was because, um, you know, they try to you know they'll draw it and stuff like that. But unless they can have something to use, it's a lot more effective. And then yeah, so I don't know well, if that answer a, your question.
1: <laughs> well, and I, and I think even to to illustrate that a little bit further, to to use a slight pun, vascular surgeons not only are they being innovative with. With products and finding new applications, they're doing this intravascularly. So mm-hmm. you know, with very little, um, they, c- they can't always see exactly what they're doing and where they're going as if, you know, they were looking at it in person. And sometimes they'll have, uh, you know, a CT or, you know, or or some some uh, image, but it's not like they're, you know, it, looking at the vasculature, um, you know, three inches in front of them. I mean, it's, they're kind of, using their hands and they're so skilled. I mean, like uh, I've worked, I've been blessed to work with some really, really talented physicians over the years. And I I don't know if if the two of you know about a guide wire or or what Mm -hmm. that is, but Mm -hmm. like we used to make these guide wires um, and it's basically a way to sort of, for the physician to navigate vasculature Uh, and sometimes it could be very tortuous and, and, you know, lots of twists and turns and Mm -hmm. how they can like just do slight twists of that guide wire to get to where they're going. is just amazing to me.
0: Yeah. It's basically like blind surgery, you know, and through feel is incredible. I think they're rock stars really.
1: Yeah. Underappreciated for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess share with the folks a little bit more about your process, you know, get into some of the, the technical side uh, and, and maybe explain or share, you know, when would be an ideal time to to engage your services and, and, and that sort of thing.
0: Sure. So, um, let's talk about just like il- an illustration, for example. So usually there's like an intro call where we find more about what your needs are, you know, find out more about your technology or your science and just get to know what your your hopes and dreams, basically, <laughs> uh, what next steps are. And then our, say, for creating like a nice branded illustration or a diagram is, I would say, probably a two-month Uh, turnaround, because we have a three-stage review process. So we first start off with like really rough concept sketches, uh, making sure we've done a lot of the pre-production work. And that includes looking at research papers, um, all of the materials that you sent us, doing some anatomy research on our end, if necessary, or science research, trying to source proteins or anything like that from Protein Data Bank. I'll leave Emily to talk about the more technical side of how we use those things. Um, trying to get like MRIs and then we'll put all that together into the first sketch of the illustration and I think this is where the collaboration is really really important so it's basically us and the client we're a team here and we look to them to provide their feedback their guidance hey does this work for their audience you know because they know their audience much much better than what we can do and they also they know the science really well And then, so we'll go back in round two, refine that a little bit more, start to implement more design elements and there, think about their branding, their colors, and just kind of like polish it up. And then they look at it again. So at this stage, it's probably a really great point to have like a med league review if necessary, you know, bring in all the key players and stuff like that. And we prepare for that. And then we have a final round where we polish everything off. And we've all basically brought it to a point where we're all really happy. And then we just deliver and then start to kind of um, disseminate it into all the different collateral materials that you want. So when he's going a brochure, we'll put in their brochure. If he's going to website, we'll prepare the files that they can upload to the website or social media, et cetera. So it's a nice three-stage process. It just means that our clients have that opportunity to to provide feedback because i think if you're not familiar if you're not very familiar with working with a design firm you might just think like oh i'll give you a brief and you just go away you come back with a beautiful image is that how it works and it's just like no it's okay we want your valued feedback like what you have to
2: say is really important <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely i think in terms of it's pretty similar for like animation wise as well it's that kind of kind of breaks down to like a three three or four kind of like rounds of review again so kind of start off um, I guess either we're provided with a script from the client which is I guess the easiest thing cuz then they've had time to sit down and think about like what how the story is reading we can review that and give i guess feedback and kind of guide like oh maybe the story could change slightly um to make it a little bit more accessible or or things like that and then it would go into a storyboarding phase um and then um go through into kind of more like an animatic so um the um it would be like the voiceover and the images would all line up so you kind of get the flow of like how long how long the animation is going to be, what each scene is, what's on screen, if there's any text on screen, what the voiceover is saying and then it goes to a, a, a slightly more final uh, round of animation so you can see everything in motion. It's not completely uh, highly refined and polished um, but it gives you a sense of exactly how everything's moving and then any changes at that point can still be made, and then the final reviews when we do the final rounds we do the big glossy final render and post-production and everything that kind of outputs the, the final the final work I guess um, mm-hmm. so we'd like to break everything down <laughs> right I get as much reviews as possible because um, I guess if it did happen especially with animation, if people if a company were just to give the, the script and go oh go make this. <laughs> and then it, it, after um, a lot of time has passed, because it, it's a long like A much longer production for animation. They come back and um, they don't like it, <laughs> and there's nothing. <laughs> there's not really much you can do at the end because the hours of investment and spend it and the investment in rendering and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Ch- changes are costly. Changes are costly. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and I know I know you you try to balance the uh, the science science side and the art side, and you, you have scientific backgrounds in addition to your art backgrounds. But I have to imagine that that's a, still a huge challenge to be able to to get that just right from a, a scientific accuracy perspective. Um, can you maybe share some thoughts about, you know, how, how you manage that and how you balance the, the science and the art?
0: Yeah, so here's the thing. So. Sometimes people ask us is like why why do you medical illustrations You, could, you know, we've got photography there why don't you just take a nice pretty picture and then so like if you imagine if you're trying to teach someone something about um, what's going on in your body in a surgery the picture is going to be red because it's all going to be real bloody and all the tubes are going to be pretty much the same color you know your arteries veins nerves and everything like that so that's where the design part comes in so we have the ability to kind of um, make organs look a little bit more plumper, you know, not not like gravity's pulling them down so they look like organs. We have the ability to make things transparent to show what's happening inside. So we talked a little bit about blind surgery, you know, when the surgeons were just feeding guide wires and they don't really know, they can't see where it's going. So it's our job to visualize that for them. So when they're learning about the surgery, they know that if they make this turn, uh, you know, this is what the image should look like in their mind. So we're kind of helping them visualize that for them in their head. So when they're in the surgery room, they've got maybe some images that other medical illustrators have created in there, and like, okay, if I do this, this is going to go this way because you know, it kind of looks like that. In one of one of the resources I was I was looking at, and then about scientific accuracy, there is a spectrum. So how accurate does the protein need to look? What's your audience? If it's a general public audience they probably don't need to see something that's like highly anatomic like with the atoms and and the ball, stick, ball and stick structures because that might be um, visual overload for them they might get scared off a little bit too much like that so that's why sometimes when you see like uh, medical animations by pharma companies the, you know the drugs and everything and the proteins are these simple shapes because that's enough to tell a story. This shape connects to this shape and it causes this chain reaction. And this is where our drug is coming in, you know? So it's definitely who's our audience and that determines um, how close to the real thing it needs to look. Mm -hmm. Also, if you think about like molecules and stuff like that, you've got... SEM photography but usually they're like black and white so there is a little bit artistic licensing as to what these colors are which is where like branding and stuff you can really play about with that as well but I think uh Emily do we do we use like data sets as well right do you want to talk about that
2: yeah so in terms of the um te- I guess the technicalities of making things accurate um a lot of we use a lot of uh, data visualization software to ensure that what we're creating is accurate Um, so we'll just we'll continue with the vascular surgery <laughs> route since we're there um um, so we would take we would take data like uh, CT data or MRI data and use a uh, data visualization software like a uh, 3d slicer or in vasalis uh things like that and what this does is it takes each individual uh, slice of data and um generates a 3d model Um it's kind of what you would see when people are diagnosing stuff, um, if they're planning for surgeries and stuff. But what we can do with this data is we can export this um, as a STL or OBJ 3D file and then we'll use this uh, real-life data um, as our base for modelling or 3D models as well, or just for doing illustrations as well. So, um, as an example, we recently did an illustration for um, dental surgeons, and it was looking at very spe- specific planes of the head and neck. So, these weren't just like plain old, like sagittal or like transverse planes. This was like halfway through the cheek or <laughs> uh, a really strange, like oblique cut. So, for us, if we didn't have the resources um, or knowledge, I guess, how to use um, this kind of visualization software so that we could actually use real life data to slice it, work out like, oh, this is how that looks. If it's cut in half that way, what would the muscles then look like? And then that's when we start problem solving using our anatomy training from our our courses and stuff to kind of, um, I guess, piece it all together. Um, Other things that we use, we've mentioned um, the use of proteins a lot. So the protein Data Bank is um, a very large resource out there and there are tools um, out there that you can kind of take the code off the protein and put it into the software and it will visualize it in a 3D form in a couple of different ways. So like in the kind of ball and stick form or in like a space fill kind of like blobby model. Um, So these are from this, we know that this is like an accurate shape for what that protein should look like. We can download that data. We can then we um, topologize it in 3D software, or we can kind of build out a more kind of like stylized form, but based on um, based on real data, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's some of the more kind of technical.
1: No, it's super. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's way more. And I'll, I'll confess, it's way more technical than than I. Imagine before we started talking today. So I appreciate you going into some technical details. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, And 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 the thing that I really appreciate the most about the two of you. And granted, we've only talked a few times, but you're really passionate about medical illustration, so much so that you you seem to have this this. attitude of giving back to the community and and trying to help educate and inform folks so talk a little bit about some of your i guess side projects or other initiatives uh with respect to how you're giving back to the community
0: yeah so emily and i started this um side project educational platform called sciart now because we were finding that there were so many people that were interested in and in entering the field or switching careers to to become medical illustrators or animators but uh is just, uh, they, they just didn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. So we created like a, a one-stop website that basically signposted them to all of the professional organizations in our field or all of the schools that offer it because sometimes maybe the organizations don't list the schools because they might be quite new and have them, you know, and, and things like that. And we, we were hoping that that would kind of um, cover a lot of the repeat questions that, that these lovely people would just email us with, which we were actually... Quite surprised, They're like oh, I don't know, that's, that's quite <laughs> nice. Why are they emailing us? <laughs> you know, but we must we must be doing something right that has resonated with them that they want to <laughs> uh, enter this this path. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, th- I and, think and it's
1: sorry. I was going to say, and, and people can find out more about SciArt now again by going to sciartnow dot com. Go ahead, Emily.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, just to follow up on that. Yeah it was just a case of it was just a lot of repeat questions and like we felt that the amount of like sometimes we were putting a lot of effort into replying to people and kind of like kind of like saying the same things over and over again and I think it's just a case of we are really passionate about the field, and I think a lot of the concerns are like, oh, how how can I do this? I really like it. Like, what what are my options? I don't understand. Or oh, I've just started my degree <laughs> in science. Oh, I've made the wrong choice. Should I have done like illustration or uh, and just like it's just mm-hmm. trying to like find that place that people like Google like, oh, I want to be a medical illustrator. They're greeted with a a lovely website or like a social, uh, one of the social media platforms that they go, oh, actually there's those people here who are really interested in this niche thing. I think for me, I I think sometimes when you kind of explain, oh, I'm a medical illustrator to someone, they're like, it's very... Or, or just, or just why? Why would you want to do that? And so your job body parts? Okay, right. Mm-hmm. Oh. Nice. So it's that, it's that kind of like, you kind of find like, oh, there are lots of other people who like doing this as well. I'm not mm-hmm. just very strange. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's just, yeah, having that kind of hub for people to mm-hmm. come together.
0: And then both Emily and I, we we um, we have our own YouTube channels where we wanted to create, tutorials about medical illustration and uh, actually it's, which has led to Emily being invited to have her own LinkedIn course, a medical animation LinkedIn course, which Oh which wow. you really can cool. find that out. Um, so it was really great and it was really helpful. And I think it's helped a lot of people just kind of, even if they don't want to go to traditional route, they can at least like take Emily's course, for example, and, and then just kind of side hustle their way there. Cause maybe they're scientists that know the science. They just need a little bit of self-taught, you know, art training or or something like Mm -hmm. that. And then so we found that um, as we're growing a team, we're creating all of these tutorials in-house. And we thought, what's the point on keeping them to ourselves? Why not just share it with everyone? And if it helps someone out there, then that's great. It's it's helped someone. And that's our main goal. And then so far, the feedback has been really positive. We've had people that are really, like they want to also contribute as well. And I think together is just helping Grow our medical illustration community and industry. Just getting more people to be aware about it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think because I think for people who are just kind of starting out in the field, there's there's definitely there wasn't really any resources. I think that's what spurred me on to start doing uh, tutorials to begin with. It was just the. I was wanting to create a medical animation. I was like, I don't know how you go on Mm -hmm. YouTube clicking for tutorials. There's nothing there. So I think it's just trying to like fill that gap of like there, there's, there's a lot of general principles to animation and stuff that you can kind of maybe work out how to do something, but it's kind of like just filling in that, that kind of barrier. Like, no, you can do this technique, but if you do it this way, uh, you can make it into like beautiful flowing red blood cells or something mm-hmm. like that it's um yeah yeah
0: and and through that our podcast grew because we were yeah. also finding like okay maybe this kind of nugget of information isn't suited for a tutorial or an article what have we said it you know and mostly it's about like finding jobs because sometimes companies might not realize that they need a medical illustrator but you know they'll, they'll usually be listed like designer a designer is needed or an is needed for a healthcare company or a design company, like how amazing would it be if they actually got connected with a medical illustrator that has the, those both worlds. So, you know, the, their content experts don't need to give a basic biology lesson to an artist each time they want a project to be done because they're being connected with the right right, right people and stuff like that. So that's where we thought, um, okay, let's, let's do a podcast where we can help younger artists uh, find these roles, enter these roles, and then just kind of grow their own positions within these companies.
1: Ladies, this has been uh, fascinating for me. And, and I'm, I'm sure the listeners of the Global Medical Device Podcast will agree. Uh, obviously, uh, I mentioned the SciArtNow uh, website and we'll provide a link to that. I did find while you were mentioning it, I had no idea until you mentioned it, that you have a YouTube channel and I found that. So I'll provide a link to that. Um, you mentioned Emily's tutorial on LinkedIn. If you could shoot me the, the link to yeah, how sure, people can no learn more about that, we'll make sure that that... Is included with the text that accompanies this podcast as well. So, um, uh, you know, I'm, we're at a point where we're going to wrap uh, things up on this episode. Any final thoughts before we do so? Oh, I yeah, know, no. And if not, that's fine too. We, we, <laughs> we, we, we could call it a wrap. So,
0: it's it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for having us on the podcast. We are in awe of, of what you've managed to do with. with Everything that you've put out.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate amazing. you saying so. And yeah. folks, uh, learn more about Now Medical Studio and and SciArt Now again, I'm going to include all that information uh, that where you can get a hold of Emily Holden and Annie Campbell. And uh, of course, if you need some support for your medical device initiatives, that's what we're here for as well at Greenlight Guru. Uh, Greenlight Guru is the only medical device quality management system software platform in the industry today. It's been designed specifically and exclusively for medical device companies by actual medical device professionals. I'm who who would have thought that that such a thing was important, but it is. <laughs> uh, it aligns with FDA and EU MDR and all the regulations and standards that are applicable. Uh, for those of us uh, navigating our medical device journey. So go to www.greenlight.guru to learn more. We just launched our new Halo for change management. What is that? Well, it incorporates artificial intelligence and machine learning into your quality management system so that you're, Processes could be more robust and thorough and and help you better navigate change management in a more effective and efficient way. So be sure to check that out too. Again, go to www.greenlight.guru to learn more. As always, thank you so much for being loyal listeners of the Global Medical Device Podcast, the number one podcast in the medical device industry. Continue to share with your friends and colleagues. And until next time, uh, this is your host and founder, John Spear, and you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.